and welcome to Pod Return to the Waking Sands. We are a Final Fantasy XIV companion podcast where we explore the lore and story of Hydaelyn and beyond. My name is Jen and I'm joined by my co-host and researcher. I'm Levi. Hello, Levi. Today we are concluding the primal quest line that we started last time. Part one was called A Recurring Problem. Part two is called Primal Nature. The main story mandatory portion was done last time, so we're strictly in the optional stuff now. Even though, honestly, I think there's more story to the optional extreme mode. So much more. Like, this is part and parcel to the MSQ. This is, like, why we're doing the shit we're doing. So that's upsetting. But yeah. they did the same thing with, like, winding coils and, you know, like, sure. so they're, they're figuring it out. This is one of those weird A Realm Reborn things where they did not adopt their, in my opinion, fantastic formula of never locking story behind challenged mode content. Yep. But in this case, it's A Realm Reborn. It's kind of fucky. So not only is there an actual story to these extreme trials, they're all linked together. So you have to do Garuda Extreme to advance the story to Titan Extreme and so on. Thank you to a host of listeners from the Pod Return to the Waking Sands Discord that helped us out in clearing these extreme trials. Yes. So we had, um, what, like 10, 10 people? 13 people. Um, obviously not everybody could do all three, but there were some people who were there for all three. Um, but those uh, 13 folks who joined us on these fights are as follows. Not in any particular order. Am I leading here, Jen? Absolutely. I want to see how you do it. Okay. Um, <laughs> we have Rina Chelloway. Nice. Boro Goro. You fucked that one right up. Violet Erveld. <laughs> Keys Novus. Fiona Redane. Ewener Zorinthar. <laughs> Ewenir. Mikto Dakwil. You even spelled it phonetically. <laughs> That's because they gave us the, the pronunciation. Yes. And I, I, I assumed it was Mikto, but yeah, it, I, I think it is, I would it is have Mikto. Too. Yeah. Athena Kylo. That was their first extremes ever. They did two. Great job. Yeah, they fucking just did it. Fucking and it did is it. really intimidating for sure. Um, so props. Yep. Catherine Wolfshead. Tapandau Jessel. I like that um, this person, they were like, yeah, say it just like that, but with confidence. Fantao, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Raven Ghostpaw. Mm-hmm. Merwin Corvus. Maybe Merwin. I would say Merwin. And Calidus Caddis. <laughs> they were a Hrothgar. Thank you again, everyone. This was really helpful. We, again, we did three extremes progging from scratch this week on min eye level across three sittings. So everyone showed up. Um much appreciation everybody had their game face on yep they were really yeah it was it was really fun uh, but y'all were there like you were on task and ready to go and it was great yep no fun allowed just prog <laughs> the way free did feel kind of like serious i don't know why if it's like it's like, the hardest one of the three i don't know you know everybody's gonna have like a different opinion you I, know, I think this... it's just partially the mix of people too sure so once you get one person who's who's getting chatty people will start jumping in <laughs> so we might have lacked our catalyst. Maybe it was too early in the day for people to have their, I don't know, 
social hat on no but you know people were like all right so okay this time the last the you know this this last go around uh, these are things that i noticed and everybody's like okay so like it was very yep. <laughs> everybody's taking like hardcore notes it was, <laughs> it was hard there were a lot of things to 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 deal with i wasn't healing thank god you healed one i did heal one but not ifrit fuck that <laughs> one and done so before we get into this questline, Jin, what happened last time? Last time was the series of mandatory um, MSQ progress quests, which was the the hard modes of the primals. So we did um, we did Ifrit, Garuda, and Titan, and it basically, you know, in the in the wake of the um, the maiden appearance of the Ultima Weapon, the tribes throughout the realm were um, understandably terrified. They hoarded even more crystals. They engorged their respective gods with even more of this shit. And we had to fight a more powerful version than we did before. Also, accessing their domains became um, a new challenge as well. So they've each tribe has erected a um, an etherite of sorts. It, it absolutely operates as one, but it doesn't look like one. You know, they're, they're doing what they can with what they have. Uh, so we have to attune to these etherites deep within their territories and 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 get to the the battles that way. So we did all of those things, and now we're doing them again, but more extreme, but more harder. Once more, we pray return to the waking sands. I ran out of etherite tickets at this point. God, no, I'm like okay. So the first the first time I did this on my main character, I had a pile of these things and I'm like what the fuck is this for so I would I would etherite to horizon and then fly in it's not really that big of a deal um but you do it a lot and you're like I I feel like there's an easier way <laughs> yeah there is I've got a stack of like 20 fucking uh waking sands passes that I never used this time I'm using them all the time yeah Pray return of the making stands? Yes. If I just happen to be in the area or I need to go and do like hunting log shit, I'll use it. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to run out. Shit. So now I have two left and I'm saving them for a rainy day for some reason. My approach is if I'm going there, just fucking use it. And then I have been and sure. I ran out, but I mean, yeah. it saved me time before. I know. I don't know why I'm saving them. It's, it's dumb, but yeah. As a memento from your time. <laughs> I guess. So we return once more, and Urian J has news for us. This is some grade A Urian J, so I'll quote it directly. Nice. Of all my tasks, the one by which I am most keenly vexed is the never-ending journey into the heart of the primal's true nature. Each door I fling wide leadeth me with inevitable anguish to another such confounding portal. <laughs> It is in these lands that the keys to the knowledge I seek are found. Many seasons did I toil to fashion a net across this vast realm, a net that catcheth not fish, but nuggets of wisdom more valuable than gold. And he goes on to say that the nature of primals be ever shifting. No tome captures what they have become today. So they keep yeah. on evolving, essentially. is Just is... like just like the people do that summon them. Yep. Yeah. But he's going to unsheath a blade born of light, meaning us, our Ooh. character, and we will clear the way to the truth with much more expediency than scholarly works. I mean, yeah, we're just going to hack our way through. That's the long, long, long story short is we go kill <laughs> stuff. <laughs> For Such a poet. Indeed. Garuda is back again already, 
better-er and stronger-er than before. Mm. She threatens to destroy the Twelve's wood in this incarnation before Urian J has time to get to the point. So we book it for the Adder's Nest. God, I feel like if our respective ways of speaking were structures or uh, architectural styles, Urian J is Rococo and I'm a log cabin. Much appreciated, Orianger. I also am curious, like just in in the other languages, you know, obviously every language is going to have like a kind of an an ancient, outdated, you know, very floral or Shakespearean way of of, of saying. I'm just very curious what that might be in like in Japanese, you know, or you know, in French. You know, we can fucking figure that out. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Garuda is somehow. Like, they literally don't know why or how she is a bigger bitch than before. And now she's getting out into the Twelve's Wood and she is killing people and destroying structures and this is bad. Right. When we go to the Adder's Nest and say, what's up, Commander Versailles? No, is well, Hulwa. That's his last name. You're saying Versailles because that's the easy first name. Correct. Yes. He says that when she first appeared... It was when she had descended upon a brand new watchtower that was being constructed by the Blue Badgers, and she leveled it utterly. Yep. She shattered both the tower and the bodies of the engineers with but a single gesture. Okay, so this is worrisome. And after our previous expedition to kill Garuda, uh, the Ixal realized that they needed to shut that shit down. So they recalibrated the Aetherite. So now we have to go back and reattune. Yes. Fine. He also says that they are mounting an offensive on all fronts. The Ixal are tying up the twin adders while Garuda is rampaging. Yeah. Once it's, again, it's, we got to yeah, come they've, in. They've, they've thinned the ranks. And so now the Scions have to, to deal with this. The Scions on there... Seven buddies. So we go back to Natalan again, and we attune again. and To we... the periwinkle etherite? Yes. <laughs> and we head into the Garuda Extreme, the Howling Eye Extreme Trial. More harder. More harder. Before we enter the fight, there's a tiny little cutscene after we reattune. As soon as we're done reattuning to the etherite, a uh, two- Asians quickly appear behind us. Oh, that's us. right. They appear before we go in this time. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I forgot about that. And then there's this, the cutscene is basically they they kind of, a, the, the two of them appear. We turn around, sensing trouble, but they're gone. And that's that. Like all extreme trials, this has a lot of normal mode, or I guess in this case, hard mode mechanics with more added in. This is the only extreme in the current round that does not have a tank swap mechanic on the boss, but there is still plenty for the off tank to do. Just like before, you want to be very careful of those rocky cairns in the arena, because unlike hard mode, If you're not being careful with your positioning of both the boss's attacks and also her wind balls she throws around, you will bait those attacks on top of the cairns and you will run out if you're not being careful. Yep. Just be mindful. I think that you need to have a total of six rocks. By rock, I mean like 
the, the Karens have like three or four boulders stacked a piece. Yeah. If there are six or more of those boulders across all Karens, when it comes time for the Karen check, then you should be good. Otherwise, it'll be an auto wipe. Yeah. Garuda also has some very heavy hitting attacks that have no ground telegraph, but you still can dodge. And doing so is pretty important to not overworking your healers because they hit very hard. The first one is called Slipstream. This one has a cast bar, but no ground marker. This is a line attack in front of her, a tank buster, that is both high damage and a stun. Her, her ads do this too, so um, the off tank should also be dodging the, um, the cast bars during the ad phases. But you want to sidestep Garuda when she's casting Slipstream so it does not hit the tank. Also... You want to make sure that you're not pointing her towards the party because both her cleaves and these things will wreck the party if you're pointing her the wrong direction. <laughs> like Slipstream will one-shot a non-tank if you had to like dodge through her and she got turned around at a bad time. There's also another one, another untelegraphed high damage attack called Wicked Wheel. This is a completely untelegraphed, even no, no cast bar, she just does it. Um... I did not have this one down timing-wise by the time we cleared. I understand it happens a bit after she casts Friction, but the timing was still a bit ephemeral to me, and I ate a fair few of these because my timing was not lined up correctly. Also, she one-shot our poor melees with it because they didn't see it coming. And right. uh, yeah, so a, um, a wicked wheel indeed. Later on during the ad phases, her ads do these exact same things too. And it can get to be very tricky because when you tank the adds, the main tank will tank one ad, the off tank will tank another ad. These are the sisters, um, Charada and Suparna. The timing of their tank busters staggers. So like if you're tanking Garuda and she casts Slipstream and you dodge sideways, then maybe like Suparna starts casting Slipstream and she's now facing some other direction. So again, you want to be careful that you're not dodging towards the party because then you'll get a tank buster slipstream aimed at the party and then goodbye support goodbye healers probably yeah this is the first time we get into kind of light party stuff yep yeah so if those of you who ever want to do savage raiding though like light party that's that happens all the time well i mean for anyone who is not experienced with this kind of content the, the two party types are full party and light party that's what pops up whenever you like join a dungeon or join a trial. A light party means one quartet of tank, healer, and two DPS. And a full party is composed of two light parties. So sometimes like a guide or a, a fight will say, okay, so divide into light parties. And that means you split your eight-person group into two four-person groups. Yeah, main tank, off tank, either one, either two, and then, you know... A pair of DPS. or whatever, yeah. So whenever someone says, like, split into light parties, that's what they mean. They mean um, make two four-person parties. Like yeah, in a, in so you're going to have, like, a, like a sub-team. Beyond the tank mechanics, Garuda flies up into the air a ton during this fight. And when she does, she scatters feathers all around her. So it'll be like a shotgun blast of feathers in her wake. So you want to clear the area if you see her go up. And if you get clipped by them, it's a fair amount of damage and you get a dot, like a damage over time effect placed on you that can be assuaged off though, thankfully. There's that. And then depending on where you are in the fight, she'll either do a directional area of attack or a arena wide area of attack when she lands again. For the directional ones, just hide behind a pillar. 
the arena wide one checks the pillar's status, and if you have lost too many pillar rocks, then you're fucked pretty much. <clears throat> Next up are the ads. There are so many ads in this fight, Jen. Yeah. Beyond the Garuda sisters, there are also tons of feathers. You got the feathers that fly around. So like the um, the ones that will just like chip away at the rocks. You also have the satin feathers. These are on a timer. If you don't destroy them in time, they will put you to sleep and probably get people killed because they'll be asleep and not healing or DPSing or whatever. Hmm. So kill the satin feathers. Later on, after I think this is like maybe phase three or phase four, we get the old spiny plume. This one is your friend. You want one of the tanks to taunt the spiny plume and keep it on them. Do not kill the spiny plume. This will apply a stacking debuff to the current aggro target of the plume. If you get more than two stacks of the debuff, it will explode and wipe the party. Bad. Bad. So um, after the first target gets two stacks, then the other tank taunts it off the first target. But you do not want to kill the plume. And we were having some issues with like summoner AoEs and other just effects that target multiple enemies, even though they're in the single target DPS rotation. I yeah, that's that's the annoying thing about summoner is um because like pff, so much of their shit is just it they're AoEs by default. Yeah. Um. So you, you'd have to like simply not do stuff. Yeah, just in order to avoid don't the use do of damage. AOE. Yeah, DPS. yeah. Like you you can't summon Ifrit because that's an AoE. You can't summon Titan. That's an AOE. You can't summon fucking Garuda. That's an AOE. Even though maybe some of the the spells that each respective summons yeah. does are single target, but just releasing them in the beginning, just period, is an AOE. So that was, we had to work around that. So what we did is we had the, um, the tank that held the second priority target, they would taunt the Spiny Plume first. And then once the party had killed the first priority add, by which I mean like the one of the sisters, then the off tank taunted the plume off the main tank, and then we focused on the other ad, and that worked out pretty well. There were a couple times when the plume had like a fraction of health left over, but um, we got the clear, obviously, so good yeah. deal. Yeah. You want to keep the spiny plume alive until Garuda flies up in the air again. This is after the, the cairns are, are busted and the whole arena is now clear. After she flies away, you kill the spiny plume, it gives its, its last Hurrah. bit of resistance with a big explosion where you kill it. Afterwards, though, it will form a shield in that location. So you kill it, you run away, then you run in, and hopefully that happens before Garuda lands. If successful, great. If not, everyone who's outside the bubble dies. If you killed your plume prematurely, you die. Yep. And that's pretty much the whole fight. She does the same thing as before, where in the final phase, there are like the big vortexes of like swirling green wind that lock down most of the arena. It makes positioning more complicated. But, you know, uh, if you've got those it's mechanics fine. down, then yep. you can do that, too. If there's like three or four little areas that you can be in. We we did super great on this fight. We got the clear on minimum eye level in like just over half an hour. It was. Yeah. Real Ram good. Bam. Yep. So clear. Garuda Extreme defeated. And after the fight, we find a small glowing object on the ground in her wake. What is this? I'm going to pick it up. So when you exit the fight, you're going to get, you will get this cutscene of the, the two Asians are back and they're standing at the Aetherite in Nettleland. One of them is the Asian of the 12th sword. The other is the Asian of the 12th staff. 
And of course, they're bemoaning her failure, Rubin Garuda. They're also, one of them is a little concerned that we found, quote unquote, the focus, uh, the shiny thing. However, the other one is like, even if we, the Warrior of Light, determines its significance, you know, we're, there's nothing we can do to stop the summonings. Like, you know, good luck to you. And the Beastmen, their words, yearn for more and more powerful avatars with each summoning, thus hurtling the star more quickly into chaos. Like, all of this is working in their favor. It's great. Like, we found the focus. Yeah, but who cares? All right. Uh, so that's that. Nobody tells you this until the very end, but if you go to your quest inventory and mouse over the focus, it tells you that it is fashioned of Ixal bone. It is explained in when when you turn the focus in, they're like, oh, this must be. So Urianger will will get into it with um, the focus and right. everybody is horrified because this is. Um... Well, first off, we go back to um, the commander of Orsayes again. We show him the focus. He's like, oh, that's weird. Uh, maybe show it to Urian J, who knows what the fuck. So then we go back to the Waking Sands, and then we show the focus to Urian J. And he's like, ah, oh, yes, Asians, got it. At least that's his theory. And well, it's a yeah, so theory. He, he's, it's a journey for him. He doesn't know what this is, but he will, of course, look into it. He'll do some research on it. But something is clear, though, to Urian J. Garuda, in her extreme form, is more powerful than a primal ought to be. There With must be something alone. else in the mix there that's making her this strong. Yeah. We got to focus. This must be the missing link. Sound reasoning. And then he speculates that someone from the outside is helping the Beastmen summon these power to primals because this does not seem like yeah, their no, jam. Yeah, they're, they're giving him like cheat codes. So, and then, like, then he guesses the Asians are the ones involved. Sure. Good guess. <laughs> um, gonna be Yassians it's interesting to know it's not interesting it's just something that I noticed everybody that you show the focus to is is like grossed out by it like ugh what a disgusting assortment of bone and I'm like what could you what sort of shape could you make out of bone that would make people like physically recoil you know like it's not a Blair Witch it's just like oh it's a little man made out of bone I think that if you show someone like some fetish made of like bone with the <laughs> there's probably gonna be like sinew kind of still yeah, on exactly. it like bits of flesh yeah. and no it's gonna look you know the the marrow is still intact yeah. it's it's gonna feel and look a certain way sure i yeah. i don't think this is like cleaned perfectly like power washed it's bone a little man i mean a little man out of bones like a little wishbone <laughs> um make a wish urian j speculates that if the asians are meddling with one tribe they won't stop there, so buckle up for some more powered-up primals. <laughs> and now we move on to the genius tier quest name, Quake Me Up Before You Ogamoro. <laughs> you were so mad. It's so good. We 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 try to come up with puns for some of our episode titles, and that shit is hard, y'all. And then they come up with this stuff, fucking like Koji and in, in, what's, what's his fucking name? Koji Fox. Koji Fox. Um, genius, absolutely fucking genius. Quake me up before you, Ogamoro. Fuck off. I love it. And that, of course, means it's Titan time. A Again. mountain shaking tremor has erupted in Vilbrand, felt by everyone in the northern half of the continent. So we head to Limsa to meet with Commander Riki at Maelstrom HQ, and we get the same spiel Titan's back, bigger than ever. Only we can prevail, the warrior of light. Yep. 
you you'll you have to come up with some pretty powerful friends to take this guy on. Powerful. Powerful friends. So we head back to reattune to the Ogamoro mines, Aetherite, and it was time to face down Titan Extreme. This one was hard. Because the arena becomes very, very, very small. There's yes. a lot to do. There's a lot going on. And there's a lot of arena deprivation that is going on. It's it's just fucking hard. This is the one I healed, so felt hard. And Jen did great. Thank you. Titan Extreme has four phases, and each phase gradually adds in more mechanics to Titan's rotation. It'll be like, okay, so three things in phase one, then phase two has, he does four things now, and so on for the full fight. Just kind of rapid fire succession, and then multiple mechanics all at once. But they're always in the same order for every phase. Yeah, they're just like, just fast. And that helps you plan for the next mechanic. And for his tank buster especially, I was the main tank for this fight, and I got effectively one shot by his first tank buster because he did his <laughs> his tank cleave and then an auto attack like a second later, and that was it for me. And I was like, oh shit, you're dead. Did I fuck up there? And you're like, nah. That <laughs> <laughs> was, was pretty rough. So what okay. we ended up doing is I w- ended up calling out the tank buster whenever the preceding move fired. So the tank would mid up and then um, the healers would be ready to heal and shield to absorb the tank buster damage. Because otherwise on min eye level, that's just going to kill you without any mid. Yep. And there, again, there's no cast bar. There's no tank buster icon. Nope. You have to know it's coming in advance. At least they fixed that. There's, some of these things are, are well, they're, they're better telegraphed. For, for savages, actually, and I think some extremes too, they have no tank buster marker. It'll be like a named cast bar or something. So this is honestly, in a way, it's kind of training for savage mechanics. When you do have to know when the tank busters are coming, and oh, you yeah. need to mid up in advance for yeah. those. For like a level 50 extreme, maybe too soon to drop the, the, the two shot it was, on you. It, it was really really intense but it's not the only time that you'll have to do the same thing where you plan for mechanics that do not have a graphical indicator on them yeah and in the in the debrief of this i was like this this seems like a fight that is much better suited for a like a shield healer um as opposed to a reactive healer because i was i was white mage so like all i can do is after the fact you know, throw some shit on you. If I could, if I could just shield the fuck out of you ahead of time. Well, oh my god, how how amazing! You got that a co-healer, and I think that we had a sage. Yes. So and so they're the barrier healer. Yes, like but if we had two, that would have been a lot easier. I think. I, I think it's actually the crud call during oh, that, that this came round. up in the Garuda fight. Yeah, but, like um, oh, white mages. Honestly, slight spoiler. I Rina. was for Ifrit. Um, I was playing scholar, and then my co-healer was playing sage. And I was wishing I actually came in as a white mage. Um, I realized partway through the fight, it would be a lot easier. You get it coming and going. Well, no, because the scholar lacks at level 50 effective group healing. Medica 2 is a huge whack of healing for the whole group. And I needed that badly. Like the best thing I can do with scholar is to spam the AOE shield spell, which is not very good for recovering a party at like half health. Right. Yeah. So there's a definite need for both a pure healer and a barrier healer. So I'd say don't feel bad. You you had a good role. It's just, you know, you can't do it all, of course. Sure. Anyway, um, back to the actual fight, though. His tank busters also drop a stacking debuff on the tank. Preferably after two, definitely after three stacks, you want to swap the tanks out. Because it's a Volnop and they will get messed up real yeah. fast. Just like just like Ultima, the Ultima fight. You got to just 
communicate with your other tank yep. and know how to swap that shit. Beyond the buster, the landslides are back. These are the lion AoEs that knock you off the edge. However, as the fight progresses, there are more and more landslides per move. So it goes from one to like a fork of three landslides at once. And then later on, there are five landslide line AoEs that go out at once, which means that most of the arena will knock you off the edge and kill you. Yay. And then I think this was the toughest one for us, the baited AoE that appears underneath the DPS's feet, and then you dodge it. Oh, yeah. This messed us up quite a bit in both this fight and also in Ifrit. For those unfamiliar with the lingo, when people talk about baiting mechanics, this is a mechanic that means that an area of effect marker or something else will appear where a certain player is standing. So you want to, quote, bait these mechanics into good positions so you can dodge them more easily. If you're spread across the entire arena, you will make the entire arena death because you are just dropping those circles across the entire very small platform. So you want to stack up together and bait them in one place so you can guarantee that you can move quickly to a safe spot. Yeah. So instead of three of these massive AoEs all over the fucking place, we're all, they're all going to stack, stack on top of one another. So it's just one circle. And then we can dodge out, come back in. And that takes some coordination, which is fine. Like, yep. like everybody just, just stay in a pile. Uh, and that worked out. And then the Earthen Jails are back too. This time he will imprison guaranteed one DPS and one healer, and there will be a tether. So if the jails are too close together, they will be very hard to break. Yeah. Um, so then this is when we had some markers on the arena so that we knew that um, the, the DPS would go one direction and the healer would go in the other direction so we can keep them farther apart. And then we knew to handle one before the other because there's also uh, concurrent mechanics that are going right. on. Right. He will do a knockback right after the jail mechanic. So if you space things correctly, drop jail number one on Titan's butt, you bust out that character, then he will fire his AoE knockback. You get knocked back to jail number two and bust them out. Right. It's super slick if you space things correctly. Yep. Position yourself correctly because that will eventually blow your shit off of the arena. In the next phase, the bomb boulders are back. These go off faster and are harder hitting than in the normal mode. He stacks up this mechanic, though, with other mechanics in this fight, which makes it extra hard to watch the boulders and do the other thing at the same time. Ugh. And then, of course, we get the heart phase where his heart opens up. And then, of course, dodge mechanics while you DPS the heart. This is the DPS check. You have to kill the heart in a certain time period and, of course, not die to the shit, too. This was where we got kind of hurt by the phase transitions, because if we killed a heart while people were, like, trapped in jails or whatever... It made things very hard to do in the next phase. Yeah. In the final phase, he now adds in adds. Two earth elementals will appear, and when they die, they drop magma puddles on the ground. Ugh. So you got to be careful as to where you kill them, and also he's likely to drop other mechanics on you while you're killing them. So dodge the adds. Don't drop the puddles in the wrong place. Dodge the mechanics. Don't die. Good luck. Yeah. So this one we couldn't do on minimum my level. We assigned ourselves a time period because we have an episode. Well, eventually to... we would have. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. But so we were like, okay, you know, if we don't do it within the first period of time allotment, um, then we'll just we'll just go normal. We set a timer of okay, so we will fight this guy on minimum eye level for one lockout. If we don't get the clear by then, we will turn off min eye level and kill him with our regular synced gear. Yeah. The minimum eye level for these Are Realm Reborn trials versus the synced eye level 
is like a, a 60 item level difference. Huge. So like these fights require eye level in like the 60 something range. But then synced is like 120. Yeah. So our gear went up by double pretty much for the regular synced version. And it's still not it's not easy. You you can't just like face roll the oh, keyboard no. and, and clear him. But it was it my God, we, there was we could breathe in this yes. one. After we we turned off min eye level, we got the clear and a couple pulls because um, we had the, all the, the mechanics down in principle. Yeah, it just gave us some more damage and some more health to absorb a couple mistakes. Got the extreme clear synced, and uh, that is it for Titan Extreme. Woo. As we are leaving the naval, once again the Asians are scheming outside. Yeah, um, and they're like, "Man, these these foci are working out real well for us." And then you know the demand response continues to escalate, so that's also good. Uh, that's basically, you know, all they're kind of talking about. Like, yes. <laughs> so we go back to Commander Riki. We show her the thing. She's like, ew, gross. And take that to Rianje. And we take it to Rianje. And he's like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The other thing. So it's part of the learning journey of Rianje in these moments. Um, he's like, is, so there are two things that are, you know, two common threads between these things so far. It's the ritual Fokai and you, the warrior of light. These are these are the things that are that have all of this these are the commonalities. What does that mean? Let me think. In the meantime, Ifrit. He also says that for every victory we claim, the primals come back stronger. So this is like an arms race between us, our character, and the primals. Yeah. And the realm can ill afford the consequences of these intensifications. Like, at some point, it's going to be too much. The primals already eat up tons of aether. Yeah. Also, though, we, we can't, like, not fight back. So go kill some, uh, yeah, some primals. Yeah, it's a never-ending fucking cycle. Would you call it a recurring problem, Jen? With prejudice. <laughs> so uh, we leave Urianjay to ponder and then return. He tells us that Ifrit has not yet arisen again, but it seems inevitable. <laughs> so we're going to get a head start here and go warn Commander Swift that we are due for a super Ifrit. Yeah, it's your turn on the uh, extreme primal roulette. They've, they've been dealing with it or they've been trying to deal with it. So at this point, they have sent two reconnaissance teams into the Bull of Embers. He tells us that the other Grand Companies warned him as well. Yeah. This is actually a nice example of the whole um, A Realm United thing that happened at the end of um, the main story. He, he's now being helped out by the other Grand Companies. Yeah, it's, it's like pre, pre-ARR um, or pre-Calamity, uh, so to speak. They were all like police departments in the 70s. Nobody talked to each other. It doesn't matter if you were in neighboring counties. If one of you had a serial killer and the neighboring county didn't, and then suddenly the neighboring county did, they're not going to talk to one another because they're like, we want, we, these are our files, man. Get your own fucking files. So the, you know, if you wanted to be a serial killer in the 70s, just go for it. So that's what we're dealing with here. <laughs> um, and then we realize, hey, we could probably do a lot better if we um, communicated. So. Weird. Yeah. So Commander Swift, he's... He's kind of shaking in his boots a little bit because, yes, they have sent two reconnaissance team into the, teams into the Bull of Embers. Um, everybody has died so far. They have not returned. They have not returned. We assume the worst, of course. Right. Killed in action or enthralled, whatever. Yeah. So our abilities, plus the fact that we have the Echo, I mean, we're, we're uniquely situated to, to deal with this, you know, of, of course. Yep. 
So we're going to go and investigate in Southern Thanalan and reattune to the Bull of Embers Aetherite. And when we get there, we do indeed find out that Ifrit has reawoken. <laughs> so it's Ifrit Extreme Time. This is my least favorite of the extreme primals in this set here. It's a pain in the ass. Exactly. I feel like this is like a very fiddly kind of fight yes. in a way that's not satisfying to it's me. Just, it's just so much, but it's not like, it's, I'll use the word fun. Uh, like with, with Titan, you can you can do it. Like there's there's satisfaction in reading these mechanics and balancing them. But with the free, it just seems it's like, it's so overdone. To the it's just it's it seems punitive instead of like complex in a fun way. Well, for me, I I think that the problem is that there are a lot of mechanics that you you can't read on the battlefield. You just have that. to know. I hate it. So we'll get to those in a second. I still had fun doing this with the crew for oh, we sure. We figured it out, yeah. Absolutely. But um, in terms of do I want to do this again? <laughs> I would do Titan Unsinked? again. Yeah, sure, for sure. Oh, yeah. Free extreme again. No thanks. Under duress. I don't. I don't hate it, but it's it's not as the rewarding. Nails it's... so annoying. Oh, I, I think that those are like the easiest of the mechanics. Yeah, but it's annoying. <laughs> I like the oh, oh the fucking searing was it searing wind. Searing wind is annoying. That can fuck right off. Yeah, getting down to it then. Everyone gets their own mechanics this fight. Yeah. Of course, there are tank swaps. You got this stacking debuff on the tanks, and Ifrit does nonstop tank busters. And his stacking debuff is both a vulnerability up and a health down. So if you get three or more stacks, then swap the fuck out, please. No, the, the, the cries for tank swap were so passionate. <laughs> well, what fucking sucks, though, is that unlike the other mechanics, other fights, his busters are not timed. They are random. So he can stack two busters back to back and take you from like that's bullshit. One Voln stack to three Voln stacks in like two seconds. Nah. It sucks. Nah. So you can't plan. That's the for kind it. of RNG we don't like in our in our extreme no. trials. And, and before like, they can execute the swap, one of them dies. Right. It's like we're all, like I'm sorry. I'm busy right now. I can't handle <laughs> your swap at this moment. But yeah, people were like swap. That's one thing. Then there is the healer mechanic. Which is oh, searing God, wind. So annoying. You will need to have your healers pre-position away from the party because Ifrit does a healer swap now, where one of the healers will get a debuff called searing wind. This pulses out a knockback and area of effect damage all around that healer. They're fine. It's enormous. Everyone near them is fucked. Yes. This is this will this huge. will take like eighty percent of your health. Yeah, it, it's obnoxious, and he trades back and forth between the healers. So the healers were constantly. So we had a we had a spot, and this this felt you know timeout for healers. Like, all right, you go to that corner, you go to that corner, and you do not get to mingle with your friends ever again. So it was constantly it was Shu and Pan Hao who had to go back and forth. Like, all right, steering wind's on me, stay away from me. Steering wind's on me, stay away from me. And of course, they also have to maneuver, but they also had to make sure that nobody got near them. Yeah. Ugh. This sucks, especially because there's no visual indicator that the debuff is on the person. 
when you're dodging the um like the eruptions or whatever, you're not gonna look at the fucking healer's debuff list and, and see, oh, that person has the debuff. Has the eruption, right. Like, you don't yeah. have time to do that. So you have to pre-call out and remember to not go to the healer by marker number one or whatever. Right. You you do for yeah, for this one, you do have to look at the respective healer's debuff list to see who has it. If there were a visual effect, this would be so much better if you could actually see where you're not supposed to go. Yeah, something something like, you know, the, the, the warrior thing, the, yeah. the, the stink lines that go around them. That would Keep have been great. fucking stink lines. Yeah, so like we know like, oh, avoid, you're gross. Yeah. That would be great, but no, nothing. And, and the kicker then, of course, is that when someone dies and they get res, they appear on the healer. All right, you're, you're alive again. Get the yeah. fuck away from no! me. Oh, God. <laughs> Do not press the button until you're like a, at a 60 foot safe distance. Yeah, like everybody's positioning had to be so tight here. Then there are the eruptions. Same as Titan. These are the DPS baited ground AOEs. So you got to stack up and then you have to run away from the boss because they will chase you. There'll yes. be like three eruptions that drop behind you. This is this is just like in the Ultima weapon fight. You'll, you will get these exact same chasing AOEs. I want to say that this fight is probably like the best filter for people who think they want a savage raid this is i think this is a good precursor to that because there's a lot of um it's it's it is a dance there's choreography here and you have to communicate okay in situation a we do this in situation b we do this instead yep. um and so knowing like okay if you guys if you know you guys get the um the eruptions and healer one has this shit then we go east if healer two has this shit we go west it's you have to be able to kind of uh you know pivot in a moment's notice yep. and have a strategy already in place for that yes i kind of love it but this was this is a fucking lot I, I don't like it when the fights get to the point where you have to be pre-positioned before a mechanic appears um which mm -hmm. is the case in this fight and that for me i i don't like memorization i like right. reaction i like reading things i don't like to memorize the order of events and then have to be already doing the thing that i can't see coming right, there's no right, clue right, right. it's coming it feels disingenuous yeah that is actually a good lead-in to the other mechanic which is the lava pools we've had these in the other fight modes in both the four person normal and then the hard mode these ones though they will blanket the entire arena except for two little bitty safe spots itty Bitty. And if you are not already by the safe spots, you cannot get to safety in time before you get got. Yeah, by if you're the... in the center of the arena thinking like, I'll just be in the center, right? Then I have easy access to everything around the perimeter. No, you're dumb. Yeah. That's a stupid thing to think. <laughs> yeah, you're stupid. You're stupid. <laughs> so we're all, we were all very stupid for quite a period of time. And the kicker, though, is that the final time it fired, at least in our, our prog sequence... <laughs> different spot exactly we thought, we thought we knew what we were doing and we're like oh oh you can just change that shit apparently you can yeah amazing and then there are of course the the charges there are now i think four e-free clones that will charge across the arena and these charges are fat yeah it, it's 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 well beyond the boundaries of his figure yeah um probably at least like a yalm and a half on either side so when you think you have given him enough, given him enough room, space out a little bit more even. They appear around the, the arena edge in like a quarter circle roughly, and they will charge off clockwise. 
and you have to follow the one that just charged to avoid being clipped by a later charge. You, you can't just stay put. Yeah. So you just kind of line up next to the first one and then follow it yep. around the outside. However, don't forget that searing wind. So the searing wind healer has to go to the opposite side of all the Yifrits right. and be chased by the charges right. instead. So they don't searing wind the whole party and wipe yeah. uh, the raid. Yeah. So yeah. So like with the with the lava pools, there's two safe spots. Um, with the Ifrit charges, there's two safe spots. Um, so the, um, the stinky leper person of the group has to go to the other spot, stinky leper area. The final mechanic is the tether mechanic. Fuck this. I just, this, this is supposed to, and I, I triple underline supposed to tether the off tank and a DPS together. This is a <laughs> no! fiery chain that unlike most tethers, you want to not stretch. The further away these two players are, the more damage they will take from the tether. So you want them to be very close together, which can be tricky if you're trying to do things like kill the nails or like tank the boss and not cleave the party or whatever. <clears throat> but for us, this fucking tether kept on jumping around. And like when a healer got it, get fucked because searing wind. Right. Once more. Yeah, th this did not perform It should perform never as... target a healer, but it <laughs> fucking does. And then between the phases, of course, are the nails. There are three nail phases in this fight, each one with more and more of those glowing nails that you have to dps down before um the timer runs out or you wipe and these nails when you kill them they will pop dealing a very short vulnerability up and then raid wide damage so you want to make sure that you do not hit them in too quick a succession and of course the nails appear on top of the boss which means you're in the cleave zone and then also um on top of the healers too which means you're in the searing wind zone Woof. <laughs> yeah. This is where I was wishing I was a white mage because I had no effective tools to heal the, the whole party from this like chip damage from the nails yeah. plus other shit as well. Anyway, despite all that bullshit, we got to the final phase with min eye level before we got locked out. That was some fantastic prog. It, it was a hard fight. Everyone did great. And we came back with normal synced gear and cleared it in a couple pulls. Yep. So um, we clear Ifrit Extreme. And when we leave this time, we are addressed directly by Anassian. Mm-hmm. Well, they're both there. So before, they've just kind of like, they've zoned in, had a chat amongst themselves, patted each other on the back, and then zoned back out. This time, they actually show up and talk to us directly, confirming our suspicions after we reattune to the Natalan Ethereite. We just, like, sums up. Sums fishy. So, um, they throw down some patronizing ass shit, like, um, what, what meaning hides behind this constant pursuit of ever greater strength? Um, ask yourselves that. Yeah. Oh, well, you already know. That's fine. And then, and then, as fun as it might be, we're not here to fight you. Oh, aren't you cute? <laughs> we're not here to fight you. As fun as it might be. Like, gross. Fucking gross. Thank you for a most enlightening display before they fuck off. Like, do you, have, do you have better things to do or say for being, like, immortal? This okay. is why I don't like the A Realm Reborn Asians. This portrayal is way too There's Saturday morning so, cartoon. Yeah, absolutely, yes. So after that incident, we head back to Commander Swift. We show him our focus we recovered made from Amalja Bones, of course. And he's like, yep, that's sure thing. Go see Urian J." We also tell Urian J of our Asian encounter, and he then quotes Louis Swa. 
yet ever shall primal desires burn. Yeah. But he's also glad in a way, too, for this sighting, because now there was confirmation that the Asians are indeed juicing up these primals. Mm -hmm. It's not just some other like new beast tribe innovation. And Urianje has now determined what has made these primals so strong. These summonings were amplified with a living sacrifice. These were freshly dead zealots. And of course, this is that's going to be, you know, delicious. So until we can find a way to stop these summonings, we, the Warrior of Light, have to get stronger still. We got to level up so we can match them. Yeah, it's just it's an endless escalating cycle of conflict. It's a recurring problem. Oh, my God. But yeah, like, how do we stop this? This like this isn't sustainable. He doesn't he doesn't know why the Essens are doing this yet. Um, but it's bad. We got to figure it out. But he does, though, have a hookup for us to help us get stronger. It's Rowena, <laughs> the super capitalist, heartless. That sucks, <laughs> man. Really, we have no better options. Purveyor of um, arms and armor and other artifacts. Yeah, so she's got the hookups. He's gotten in touch with our um, soon-to-be on-again, off-again business armor. associate, Rowena, in Mordona. And um, she has in turn lined up some buyers for this primal swag. People are are juiced to get their hands on these sweet-ass foci. I bet. They have no more power left in them, but they're still pretty sweet. Super cool. So we pop on over to Revenant's Toll, and we go say, sup, Rowena. She verifies the authenticity of our artifacts and tells us that her creepy-ass customers will be falling over one another <laughs> to get their hands on this first-hand extreme primal. This is every Indiana Jones villain ever. It belongs in a museum! So she sends us to her associate, Lorena. Lorena is a tired stock person who apparently got, like, bait-and-switched into this career where she was enticed here to Mordona with tales of, like, adventure, but actually, no, she's now the clerk <clears throat> and the stock person for Rowena's ever-growing empire. But... She will now swap out these trophies for some special vouchers, good only at Rowena stores, <laughs> which we can then exchange for some level 50 weapons. These weapons are item level 90, so they're at the same tier as the um, level 50 artifact armor. Yeah. These are some good glams, though, honestly. Like, this set is very esoteric, but if you check the glamour set for these extremes, they are fucking sweet. Yeah. The white mage staff... That has like the, the grumpy tree face on it. What the? Yeah, I had never seen this before. So like these are these are totally new to me. I had never looked into this at all. I saw that as like okay, I gotta have that staff. I, I will make a glam it. to match Absolutely. the staff. Absolutely. Like like I have a whole portrait situation with white with my white mage because the white mage staff, the, a lot of them have like a weird face. I love the dryad cane so much. You pop that little bugger out there and he starts like going blah, 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 blah. And his like eyes are all crazy. Love it. So like if there's a staff with a face, I want it in my life. This thing though looks like a grumpy potato or something. No, no. It's like a mandrake face. Or it's that. Like, you, like you've dug him out of the earth. It's something, it's something out of um, s scary stories to tell in the dark. It's that sort of kind of that illustrative vibe. It's like a tripping, grotesque, buried in the dirt for 100 years kind of face. It's so good. So I'm rocking that face now. 
on my white mage. Yeah, go get that. Anyway, yeah, so this whole quest chain just peters out into a repeatable gearing up quest. Now we, yeah, now we're in the the claws of Rowena forever and ever. In the story of the game, these beast tribes will keep on using these living sacrifices to resummon the extreme primals, and we gotta go kill them again, and then we collect their sweet foci, and we trade them into Rowena, who's gonna flip them for Gillians, and then we get more vouchers to exchange for Rowena gear, and that's the end. It, it, it's such like a, a it turns from this like okay oh, I we're gonna we were saving the world nope we're just fueling the underground railroad of artifact exchange in a way it's kind of like the way things are at this point in the story the primals won't stop it is a recurring problem which reinforces the, the story that's been posed of us needing to step in to stomp these primals until we find a solution. Over and over and So over in, and in a way, the story... There is really no end right now. Like, exactly. We don't know. Yeah, so like, it, it, in a way, it's fitting, but also in terms of like a story that the game's telling you, it is such a weird kind of part of an ending to <laughs> go from this like it's building so mystery to, oh, capitalism. Right. Well. Thank you again to all the people who helped out. I had not played these synced since my very first time through the game, and it mm. was great going back to all of them, even Ifrit. Yeah. Next time, we are resuming the main story quest. We will be playing through the quest, All Things in Time. And that will do it for today's episode. Thank you all so much for listening. We really appreciate you. And if you want to hang out with other folks, check out our Discord. Uh, check the show notes for info. You can share some screenshots, share your stories. It's about real life and game shit. It's good stuff. Um, and if you do want to join us for future group content, that's where we'll be, we'll be posting those invitations. So keep an eye out for that. Or uh, you can email us the old-fashioned way at podreturnffxiv at gmail.com. I really hope you enjoyed the episode. Have a good day or night, and we will see you next time. <laughs>